0: What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul.
1: Buzz, your girlfriend.
0: Woof. (laughs) And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That is you all by the fans. That is Paul and myself. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, As always, intro and outro music by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out uh, over at OceansOverAirplanes.com. So, Paul,
1: what's up, man? Uh, Not too much. Just uh, trying to uh, figure out what I'm going to do with the summer. Now I don't have any uh, very uh, unenjoyable Suns games to watch.
0: I know. The season has finally, finally come to an end, and perhaps – What's the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Mercifully come to an end. Yeah, that was a very difficult year uh, for the Suns. Uh, In fact, their second worst season in the history, in the 50-year history of the Phoenix Suns. And Paul, can you you tell the folks at home or in their cars or in their office or on an airplane or perhaps sitting in a park enjoying a nice, warm Phoenix day? Doctor's waiting room. Doctor's waiting room. (laughs) When the Suns had their
1: worst season? Uh, I believe that would be the first season.
0: That is right. The first season, the Suns won 16 games that year. So, thankfully, we we blew past that this year with a grand total of Blistering. 21 wins. Yeah, exactly. We have hey, we bye-bye. can drink now. In, in fact, yeah, right. <laughs> if, if you think about it, they passed that 16-win total, what, probably about two and a half months ago, if <laughs> <Yeah>. not longer. <laughs> So, yes, the season's come to an end as everybody knows by now, the Suns do have the best odds in the NBA draft lottery this year. So here's knocking on wood and hoping for hmm Deandre Ayton. How long was that? I don't even know.
1: <laughs> that might be your quickest.
0: I don't think so. I feel like I've I've gotten him in like in the first minute. See, before. I'm just wait,
1: I'm just waiting for you to just start a podcast with you you know <laughs> Welcome to the Welcome to the
0: DeAndre Ayton podcast.
1: No, you're going to get faster than that, you know, if if we end up drafting him, you know that first podcast we do after the draft, the first two words are there,
0: DeAndre Ayton. If we draft him, I might actually we might actually have to call that first one the DeAndre Ayton podcast. Okay, we'll table that for, for a discussion for a later day. Um, but the Suns did go out on a high note with a with a win over the not quite as lowly, but still very lowly Dallas Mavericks, uh, in which the Suns, I think, dressed like three of the regulars and pretty much marched out a G League team, yeah? Uh,
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, what is it that one guy said on Twitter? He's like, I'm a professional sports writer, and I only know three guys in the two starting lineups combined.
0: Yeah, um, I, I know I saw Darren Ravel say that, and I was disgusted. I mean, come on, Darren Revell. If you're... Hyperbole aside, which I'm assuming that was, and it was really bad hyperbole. But you've got two first round draft picks, two top ten draft picks, starting for the Suns. People don't. You, you, people know who Aaron Harrison is and who um, Dwight Powell are, right? Come
1: on. Is, I mean, the rest of them, sure, maybe, maybe. Is not Aaron old, Harrison and, and Cal- the worst of the two Harrison brothers? I don't yeah. know. They're I'm, both I'm not j- very good. I I'm just, just gonna.
0: I'm just gonna say yes because from Memphis sure he averaged six and almost seven points a game this year in in nine games so yeah <laughs> i would i would say he probably is the worst of the of the harrison brothers so he's but, gonna become uh, a son yeah let's go go pick up some more of the worst brothers right right par for the course but how about we we give a little bit of love to a certain mr alec peters in in that game against dallas i mean you got a guy who is uh in his first year second round pick uh played a grand total of 20 games for the Suns this year, put up a whopping 4 points a game, 1.9 rebounds a game, shot about 31% from three point range, and then he decides, hey, you know what? Last game of the year, I'm going to pull an Archie Goodwin and go off for 36 and 9 on 12 for 20 shooting overall and 8 for 13 from three. So, so
1: here's my here's my question for you. Those 4 points, 1 rebound, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, was is that including that last game or was that what his averages were before that last game? And that last game just brought him up to four points from something much lower.
0: I'm going to assume that that includes the last game because I just pulled that up on ESPN.com. Uh, but yeah, that probably includes the last game.
1: I mean, he's but I'm going to look up, I'm going to, I'm nice going to hop on
0: basketball rep reference now and see, uh, see what he was averaging in all of his other games prior to that. So talk about something, Paul. I,
1: I, it, it was nice to go out on a win. I mean, I know it was the JV team out there, and but after this back half of the season where I think the Suns have one of the worst back half of the seasons in modern history, the, the Ringer did a nice article on that the other day. I don't know. Did you see that one, Justin? I they did send not that to you they were there probably, talking about but
0: I probably didn't read it
1: talking about the suns, uh, winning the tank race and kind of went into all their, uh, the futility that they had in the, in the back half of the season. And it was, it was kind of pathetic. Cause I mean, they won five games over that back half of the season to really, uh, go from being a middling, uh, lottery team to, best odds uh, of any other team. So, and I know that I do remember our earlier pods when we were actually kind of excited about the team, you know, they were kind of making progress and like people were saying, Hey, we need to go all in on like, actually like trading for somebody to like put us over the top this year to try to actually compete for a playoff spot. And then the exact opposite happened. I know you, I know Justin, you and you were very adamant about pointing out strength of schedule Back then, and Thank you, and the, Thank you for was, mentioning that. Uh, born true.
0: 100 e- even the truer only... than I could have ever imagined.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so apparently only the 2000-2001 Warriors had a better – or had a worse back half of the season well, than hey, the Suns.
0: Look at that. Making history. Making history. And to go back to your uh, question from a few moments ago, Paul – Before that
1: game. Okay. Of teams that won 15 or more games in the first half of the season to have that horrible of a back half of the season. Where did you just pull that stat? From the Ringer article I told you oh, about. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Okay,
0: I was I was over here doing highlighting and stuff on basketball I'm, reference. I'm
1: that good at basketball reference that I pulled that out. <laughs> I was like, I, was like
0: I, I can't figure out I can't figure out their formulas here, and Paul just p- pulled out one of the most ridiculous formulas ever. Uh, uh, at any rate, uh, but b- before that game, Alec Peters was averaging a grand total of 2.4 points a game and 1.5 rebounds. So. Yes, that last game, uh, basically boosted his season average by one and more than one and a half points, and boosted his rebounding
1: average by about half a rebound. So, so is Alec Peters going to be a son next year? Who knows? Okay. I, may, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I. I <laughs> Can, can yeah, giving him a camp look.
0: He's he's making like what a million bucks. It's non guaranteed. Yeah, I'll probably get yeah. a camp look. But you know, a lot of that's going to depend, obviously, on what uh, what transpires during this upcoming off season. Right. So, and I guess we can. Oh, Paul, I forgot. I, I overlooked this as we started, and I know you want an opportunity to bring it up. Why don't you talk about how you stepped out on Fanning the Flames without telling me and and went on Solar Panel this week. You you can go ahead and plug that if you want. I'll I'll just sit back here.
1: Well, you know I told you (laughs) I just assumed that that was because they couldn't get you. I just assumed I was the second or third or tenth choice on the list. I I, I appreciate (laughs) that, Paul. I
0: I would pick you before me, my friend.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I ramble a lot. You're a little bit more straightforward. You're no actually trained on speak you're actually trained on speaking in public. I am clearly not.
0: All right but so it was actually
1: it was actually really there fun. you go. I
0: was wait- I was waiting for you to hop in go ahead. <laughs> it was actually really
1: fun uh, talking with Espo and Tim. so if you if you haven't already checked out the solar panel, it's they're a great another great suns out there. you know of those other sunspots that are great unlike ours. Um,
0: I think we're great. <laughs>
1: I like your optimism.
0: The podcast <laughs> of optimism, my friend. <laughs> that is our niche.
1: But <laughs> but it, it was fun. We talked about um, free agency power forward options for the Suns. Um, I brought up uh, – thank you, Justin, for bringing up – for teaching me about Luke Mbaba Mute. You forgot the Rish- Richard part. Richard part. I did forget Richard. I think I remember that when I did the actual pod, but
0: you uh, did, you did. I listened to it. I think you did a fantastic job on that pod, Paul. Well done. And I appreciate you giving me a little cred for the Luke Richard Mute, uh, call too, but go on.
1: But yeah, so it was, it was fun. We talked about a bunch of other stuff too. Um, so I don't want to spoil it all. So if you haven't checked it out, please go listen to subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff they want you to do for the solar panel. There's a bunch. Three good guys who know a lot about the Suns and really love the team in uh, Espo, Tim and Dave, who was not on the pod this past week. That's why I was there.
0: Alrighty, and and you know I'm going to steal a little something from them. You know they always do their little rev- re- um, reading, listener reviews and whatnot. I was on I was on iTunes, and I know we have some subscribers out there. And our, our we have we have we have one count it one we one do. comment or one review. I think it's oh, from wow. before I think it's before we even started like took over this particular podcast channel, if you will. Oh geez. But all it says is what is this? Like that's literally what it says.
1: What what's the date on it?
0: Is there a date? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think I, I, I don't think there's a date. But the reason why I think I know that it was from before we did this was because I looked at it when we first started doing this and saw it was there. But maybe okay. I'm wrong. Maybe maybe they were talking about us. That so would also make a lot of sense. Um, but well, well, to our card, we that, also have like uh, a four star shoot. rating. So that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, so please, if you're out there, you're listening, and you want to help us out, please rate and review us. Apparently, that somehow helps the weird algorithms on Twitter, Yeah, on, not know. on Twitter, so,
0: on iTunes. So, okay. Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about the off-season a little bit here. And when I want to say okay. a little bit. I mean for the duration of this podcast. And for the rest of summer. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> An interesting, an interesting development here occurred uh, as of as of today, and we're recording here on Wednesday, and that is that the Milwaukee pick now uh, has a chance of conveying to the Suns this year. Right now, they are tied with Miami, I believe. So either way, we're getting the 16th pick. Um, it's just a matter of whether we're getting the 16th pick and the 17th pick, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking on Tankathon right now. Yes, Milwaukee and Miami are tied um, at 16. So the, the the tiebreaker, which as I understand it, is a coin flip when it comes to this type of
1: situation. Because it's only uh, appropriate that the first season of the Suns should be determined with a coin flip. Right. And the 50th season of the Suns should have a coin flip involved.
0: Yes, Exactly. Exactly. I mean, why, why not? Right? Let's book. It. Why not? We, bu- we book. We bookended it with the bet, the the, the the worst season and the second worst season. Might as well bookend it with coin flips <laughs> as well, right? Um, exactly. So if if Milwaukee wins that tiebreaker, then the Suns will. The, Milwaukee gets sixteen. Miami gets seventeen. The Suns get both of those picks. Wait. If so if Miami they win
1: it, they get they get the worst pick. No. If well, they if, it's the be- Yeah, I guess because winning it would mean they get the better draft picks. So, yeah, that is winning it.
0: I feel like I just like I'm looking at you on the video right now, and I feel like I just saw maybe your mind like blow right there.
1: You're just like, whoa, wait. Well, because the coin flip doesn't affect their playoff seating, right? Because currently Miami is above them in the playoff seating. So it's just this. Why why don't yeah. they just use use the reverse playoff seating?
0: Thank you. That's what, when you when when you had mentioned that that there's a tie breaking uh, you know process and that it's a coin flip or what have you. Uh, when it comes to you know these these teams here, outside of the outside of the lottery, I was like, why don't they just use the reverse playoff seating? Because that certainly would seem to be logical. But hey, why use logic? Right? That's just silly. Nobody nobody then then Adam Silver can't have an official coin flipper.
1: Well, I mean, maybe it has to do with like what happens if the two teams are tied or are in different conferences, so that playoff seating could be like all over the place. That
0: that's just fair. It
1: out there.
0: That's fair, but I would say then maybe the coin flip should be used as an alternative to, you know, playoff seating not being something that can be used. It just seems like when you put so much effort into having like multiple tiebreakers when it comes to playoff seating that depend on you know. Uh, winning percentages against, uh, you know, teams. Winning percentage against conference. You know, whatever the case might be. Just saying, okay, we're just gonna do a coin flip. Kind of is like, why, 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 why bother? You know, you can put something else right, in place that will actually, actually measure uh, what what the teams are doing. But again, if they're in different conferences, then maybe you go coin flip. But it seems like they're, I'd they're better like alternatives. the coin
1: flip for the fee- I'd kind of like the coin flip for the playoffs I think it'd make it kind of exciting but <laughs> like they should you, have you televised and everything
0: they should, they should here you want to take everything like to a, to a deeper level like they should have coaches like do a foot race <laughs> like a 40 yard dash fastest coach they get the higher seat or the higher draft pick or whatever you know whatever they, whatever their choice might be so I, I don't know but um, anyway we were talking about the pick right so, right. That begs the question then. Do we want that pick to convey this year? Do you want sixteen and seventeen, or do you just want sixteen and say, you know what, let's carry over this My, My, My Milwaukee pick and see what happens with uh, the Bucks here in the next year? Because next year it's still protected seventeen through thirty, but only protected one through three on the front end or on the on the high end, and then the fo- following year I believe it's one through seven with no back end protection and then the year after that it's unprotected but
1: right and there's also another weird quirk about this year in that there's this very slight sliver of protection that allows for the nothing to convey to the Suns this year because as it currently as the trade was set up it was either going to get a first round pick or a second round pick unless the pick happens to fall at 17 which is one of the options for this year because the second-round pick is protected up to or through pick 47, and the first-round pick's only protected through pick 16. So if it falls on 17, which is an option, the Suns would not get the first-round pick or the second-round pick. And so basically the second-round pick's off the table at this point. The, you're either getting 16 or 17, so you're either getting a pick or we're getting nothing. And I'm kind of leaning, let's push it push it to a, a later season because one you get you get the option of hey this this the bucks could have a piece of shit season and we actually get a really good pick because next year it's only protected one through three and then protected 17 and above so they could be worse next year who knows what hap- what happens there and we end up getting another pretty good pick um but that all it also allows for more options for uh McDonough when he's considering possibly trading trading picks so going into this draft I don't think the Suns really want three picks they don't have space for three rookies so it almost kind of puts them at a bit of a disadvantage in that they're like okay we have to move these two picks and so teams are like well I'm not going to give you as much for them because you have to move them because you said clearly you don't want three picks so now you take one of those off the table; it's a whole different story, with regards to um, trades and and whatnot. Or actually, take using the pick depending on who's there. Using the other pick depending on who's there.
0: Yeah, and and I would tend to, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I think it makes sense at this point to basically hope that it carries over until until next year. Uh, if we go back a couple of weeks, when it was looking like we were getting both picks it was looking like those picks were probably going to be maybe a little bit higher. There was a lot of chatter, a lot of people saying, "Well, oh, well, you could maybe package those, move up. There's another player that's that's coveted. But I think now when you're talking about 16 and 17, I mean, how much value are you going to really get? How far are you going to move up um, by, by right. packaging 16 and 17? I don't think that far. Uh, and and like you said, who knows what's going to happen with M- Millier-Waquet next year. I, they could just have a bad year. I, I don't wish this at all, but you could have a significant injury that keeps one of their key guys out for a period of time. I mean, who knows? So in in light of the fact that you're really not going to be able to do a lot with 16 and 17, I, I really don't have a problem with it, with it carrying over. And like you said, I mean, that could give McDonough the opportunity to perhaps throw that pick into a package, knowing that it has those protections on it already. And is you know one through three protected next year? Maybe different protections get thrown on or what have you. But as it sits right now, one through three protected, then one through seven protected, and then unprotected. I mean that that could be enticing to a team that is looking to you know rebuild maybe at the start of the
1: rebuilding phase. Right, and also and also with the changes in the rules, so now you can add secondary layers right. of protections onto those picks. It could you could package it appropriately that maybe next year the protections that the suns put on are similar to what they currently have so if it falls between like four and seven the suns end up actually getting a really good pick or even in future years something along the same lines so there's definitely there's more options pushing it another year versus having it this year and that's kind of where i'm sitting with it
0: okay (coughs) excuse me that makes sense to me so let's let's move on to another bit of it's it's off season news. It's it's going to be discussed as something that could happen uh, this year, could happen next year. We alluded to it slightly last week, and that is Devin Booker's extension. This off season, he's eligible for an extension. Uh, the max deal that a massive yeah, extension. The, the max deal that everybody anticipates he's going to get is five year in the range of $157 million. I almost said a year, but that's not the case. Wouldn't be $157 a year. That would be sweet, though, for him. Right. Um, But then the question becomes, okay, he's eligible now, but do the Suns do it this offseason, or do they wait until next offseason when he's going to be a restricted free agent and then give him the extension then? There are, you know, definite pros and cons to both sides of, of that equation. And uh, for both parties, for both parties. Absolutely. And uh, my, my question, I guess then to you, Paul would be, what's your preference? Do you think they do it this off season or do you think the suns sit back and wait to do it next off season?
1: Um, I think strategically, I think it would be best to wait Do I think they're going to wait? No. I think they're going to sign the extension because the Suns, with the past eight years, the Suns can't look a gift gift horse in the mouth. As of right now, Devin Booker is an emerging star. They can't afford to take a chance that they are going to potentially lose him next year. I mean, it's it's really hard for it to happen, being that he's a restricted free agent and they can max – or match anything that he gets, but if they let him go to free agency, you could run into we could run into a situation similar to what happened with New Orleans and Eric Gordon a couple years back, where we signed the Suns signed him and he tried to have New Orleans not match, and then they did, and then he was um, I don't know if I want to call him a malcontent, but he wasn't happy still being there for the next four years or so. And do we really want to? Situation like that with Booker, whereas if we sign him now, when he still is happy, he he's not. It's less of a awkward situation. It, and yeah, he may ask for a trade down the road. That's what, that's what, that's what I was just going
0: to say. I mean, ultimately, if 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 something happens that causes him to be unhappy and he wants out, I I, I think he's going to have the ability to kind of push that that envelope. I I pray to God that doesn't happen and. You know, for for all intents and purposes, we've we've said this before, but it seems like Booker is very interested in being the face of the franchise, very interested in getting this franchise back to its winning ways. And there's an article on Arizona Sports, I believe it was on today. uh, (coughs) Excuse me, just discussing some of uh, the happenings with uh, exit interviews and whatnot that occurred uh, in the Suns organization today. And uh, from the article, there's a there's a line that says basically. Uh, Booker called the talk of him being disappointed with the direction of the franchise "quote nonsense" and reiterated his desire to remain in Phoenix. I want to be here, yes, he said. So I think that's encouraging, just in terms of you know where he stands right now with the organization, uh, and and obviously signing him to an extension this offseason, I think, is going to you know further his his happiness uh, because again, he's going to get that deal from the Suns one way or the other, but. You know, right. if you look at it from his perspective, I'm sure he would love to have that security now, rather than wait for it to come next season. Because you don't know what's going to happen in, in during the course of a regular season. Um, at the same time, you know, it's a, it's a double edged sword. I think even for him, because he obviously is voicing his opinion that he wants this team to get back to the, its winning ways. He wants to return them to how. They were 92, 93, and 04 and 05, uh, and hopefully beyond uh, those couple of seasons uh, in, in terms of you know winning a championship. And I think he is a smart enough dude that he understands that it's going to take pieces. And, and I guess we haven't really even discussed why, it's, why, why there's a difference in, in signing him this year, uh, this offseason, versus waiting until next offseason. And ultimately what it boils down to is he signs that extension this year, then he's automatically on the books for that twenty-seven million dollars, uh, give or take, uh, in in the offseason next year. Whereas, if they wait, he'll be a cap hold for ten million. But then they can still use you know that seventeen million or so extra cap space to sign another piece, another couple of pieces, or what have you. And that's making the assumption, of course, that the Chandler and the Dudley contracts are coming off the books next year and that nothing happens during this off-season to to change that type of situation.
1: Right, right, exactly. And, you know, there's – the free agent market is relatively lackluster this year and I think next year's is projected to be a little bit stronger. But even still, I understand, you know – you can't keep kicking the can down the road. And I I know we've talked about it ad nauseum a little bit that we feel like this is the summer that the suns really need to start making moves. So how much cap space is available, you know, that's probably going to fluctuate, but having the option of maybe having some available next year because of some of those, uh, those other pieces falling off and that having that money not be replaced with, Booker's extension immediately Could allow for Okay we make some moves this summer We are improving you know maybe we make The playoffs maybe we're on the cusp of making the playoffs But at least we've shown growth And we've become attractive so when Free agents next year are looking At a potential destination The Suns are attractive And we have free cap space to deal With that because I know It's kind of crazy how like You know these various NBA teams will they'll make an offer to player X first, but then he's actually the last one to physically sign his contract because of cap machinations to get everybody to fit under the cap appropriately. So you can we could do that next summer with having Booker's extension be the last thing that's signed because we can go over the cap for him. Right.
0: Right, exactly. And you know, i I, I tend to agree with you again, we agree too much. I feel like uh, somehow we have turned into, like, two guys that totally agree on everything Suns related, whereas... You wore me down. I, well, this time, hey, you're I, I'm agreeing with you here, man. You're the one that put it out there first. So, um, in every most every other walk of life, I think we tend to disagree on different things, but not <laughs> every walk of life, but, you know, just in, in in regards to a number of different things, but I, I, I agree. I think the suns just have to you know they're going to want to show not only booker but their fans um, and and other potential free agents and other players across the league agents everyone that they're that they're fully committed to him um, and and at the end of the day too when you look at it from what i've been seeing online cap space projection for the suns next offseason is going to be 35 to 40 million dollars that's assuming that booker is on that on the on the uh, you know the the cap hold of 9.9 and not actually on the books for 27. So ultimately, if if we're looking at that 35 million, we'll call it, and you take 17 out of it, you're still sitting in a pretty good position when it comes to, you know, available cap space. And, you know, I think the the hope is that with the moves that they make this offseason through the draft, perhaps through free agency, sign and trades, whatever the case might be, they might not need to have a ton of cap space available they want to bring in some pieces sure but do you need 35 million bucks hopefully not and and where are they going to go because i mean you're either then looking at another guy who's looking at kind of a max level offer or you're looking at signing a number of players and then that means we're having a lot more roster turnover one more time and that certainly would be indicative of perhaps having another down year this year um this upcoming year and while I'm by no stretch of the imagination imagining the Suns winning 50 games next year. I think there's going to be an improvement. I mean, I'd be shocked. I'll I'll put this out there. I'll be shocked if they don't win at least 12 to 15 more games next year than they won this year. Maybe not shocked. Highly disappointed. How about that?
1: Right. I definitely, I hope they're in the mid-30s. At minimum next year. Anything below that to me would be a disappointment. And would be an indictment of all of Suns management.
0: Right. And and I think, you know, obviously assuming everybody's healthy and whatnot, but yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you there. Right. So would it make sense to wait till next year? Yeah, I guess. Is it really all that huge of an issue? I don't think so. And I think again, the Suns will ultimately Show the commitment, and 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 make that move. Um, especially, you know, we we talk a lot about McDonough kind of being out there at this point. You know, he's had he's had his few years here now since that kind of uh, hiccup where they almost made the playoffs that one year to really put his vision in place and make his make his <laughs> move. Like, I like
1: how we call it a hiccup. Right, <laughs> like it was a bad thing. Right. It's like they were in a great, exciting team that in any other year would have been. A solid mid-level playoff team, but that season was so ridiculous on the Western Conference that a forty-eight win team did not make the playoffs. Right, right. and that's a hiccup, and we look at it poorly. Well, that's what <laughs> can we
0: stop? That's what that's what eight years of missing the playoffs is going to do for 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 a group I know, of fans, man. I know. Come on. So, yeah, you know. So back to back to my point. With McDonough kind of being out there you know he he's he's on the he's he's out there on on his McDonough limb where he's made his moves he's got the guys that he's wanted he's putting he's had time to put together the roster that he wants uh you know signing that extension this offseason will ensure that Booker is you know as happy as he can be and and I think that obviously is is beneficial to McDonough in terms of what the Suns are going to be able to do this upcoming season.
1: Right. So, I mean, just to kind of throw it out there just from the standpoint of th- this isn't unprecedented to right. the idea of letting a player who is a cornerstone, is expected to be a cornerstone of your franchise go to restricted free agency for the purposes of cap flexibility. The the Spurs did it a couple of years back with Kawhi. Granted, I don't know if that was a factor in any way in their current situation with Kawhi, Mm -hmm. but so that's where, you know, some of this risk can come in. But I mean, if everybody's on the same page and everybody's lockstep that, you know, we want to be able to offer that flexibility and we do an under the table, kind of Danny Manning style, Hey, we agreed, we're going to pay you. We'll still pay you. Even if you get injured somehow kind of deal. You know. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on what Booker says, because obviously, if there's going to be there there will be conversations about this with him and with his agent, and he has the same sort of outlook that the Suns do to a certain extent, because you know, if if he's in it for the long haul and he wants to improve the team and whatnot, and he and the Suns think it's necessary to have that cap space, and maybe that's that's what they end up doing. But I mean. If somebody put a piece of paper in front of a piece of paper in front of me that said "sign this" and you'll be guaranteed five years and one hundred and fifty-seven million dollars, I think I would. Sure. I, I'd, I'd be I'd be I'd I'd be signing it before they finish saying the dollars part of all of that.
1: I, I'd probably make my finger bleed and use that before <laughs> they can Give me the pen. sign it in blood. <laughs>
0: And then I'd go outside and do a backflip, even though I can't do a backflip, but I feel like $157 million would probably entice me to be, you know, somehow develop some sort of superhuman ability to do that. I guess that's
1: superhuman ability. The adrenaline you you would be able to dump. Right. (laughs)
0: Okay. Anything else on that, Paul? I don't think so. All righty. So let's move on to another member of the Phoenix Suns backcourt, a guy who we have openly said we forget about sometimes. And that is <laughs> yeah. that is that is Mr. Brandon Knight. Uh there is an article again on arizona sports.com that was what was that Yeah, yesterday? Day before? Uh, Sometime yeah. this week. Sometime this week. That, yeah. That was uh, pretty in, Last couple pretty days. in depth in terms of discussing Brandon Knight his situation where he is right now mentally and physically and all of that. I mean, I I think it's probably the most involved article I've seen about Brandon Knight since he was traded to the Suns. <laughs> um but uh you know P- paul I, I i breezed through it i i took down some quotes but i don't know if you want to delve into kind of the substance of it what your thoughts are
1: well i mean a lot of it was just it was interesting to see it seemed to have an attitude shift which is the biggest thing that came across to me from the from the article was particularly after the last couple years um not counting the season because obviously he wasn't Mike wasn't put in front of his face a lot this past season because he wasn't around. But pr- last year, when he was on, when he was the sixth man, and and even prior to that, he didn't seem like he was super happy with his role. And it seems that the injury and not be, and being away, essentially being away from the game, has kind of allowed him some time to reflect and realize, you know what. It's better for me to make the best of the situation that's put in front of me than be a malcontent because that doesn't help anybody and doesn't help himself, doesn't help his team, doesn't help potential future employers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it seems like he's wanting to, he's coming, going to come into next season with a really good attitude about where he stands with the team and what his role is, even though that is still kind of up in the air. So it's really a wonder. I it could be really interesting because I know we let um, we were previously talking about the idea of like trading for Campbell Walker or something like that to like shore up that backcourt. What if our guys there? Mm -hmm. And what what if you know? Brandon Knight wasn't able to be the full potential that Brandon Knight can be because he was playing more of that off-guard role. Yeah, he's a combo guard, but he's a ball-dominant kind of combo guard. And when he was in Milwaukee, that when he was his best self, that was kind of the role he played. So if he can develop some type of chemistry with Booker and Jackson and the other guys, that allows him to be in that one position, like... Actively versus basically being the two when he was playing with Bledsoe. Maybe it will unleash something in him to be who he was, who we thought we were trading for.
0: Right, right, and I, you know, I took I took away the same thing that you did, just in terms of you know he's he's had a chance to reflect. He's he's had a chance to look at like the bigger picture of things, and uh, you know, he mentioned and I'll read a a couple quotes here um, off from the article. You know, he said that he's willing to play whatever role, starter, reserve, mentor, whatever's asked of him by the Suns. And he said, you know, it's all about helping us move forward. I know, I'm, I know I'm going to come in and work my tail off and lift guys up and make guys around me better and just try to take Phoenix where it needs to be. That's my biggest goal. The fans and the city, they deserve that. I mean, that's something that looking back on Brandon Knight over the past few seasons – um, and, you know, just maybe not necessarily what he said, but the way he carried himself, um, you know, the the uh, ups and downs that he had on the court. That's something I would have never thought I'd hear coming out of his mouth and I think is encouraging. I think it does show that he's developing, a, you know, another level of maturity. Uh, he talked in the article, too, about becoming you know, more of a leader on the team. He said he always wanted to be a leader. But it was tough because with basketball, he he said, it was always focusing on basketball. He said, uh, it it was tough to become a leader when I was so involved in, all right, basketball, basketball, basketball. But when I had time to sit back and really reflect on how do you become a leader, you have to build those relationships. You have to take time to build certain trust with people inside and outside the organization. Like I said, it just took time for me to realize that and get hurt kind of. Getting hurt kind of made that go faster than it probably would have if I were playing. And, you know, the article mentioned how he's been kind of mentoring uh, Davon Reed and I can't remember who else they mentioned in there, and I'm not seeing it right now. But, you know, that that type of positive outlook uh, I think is only going to be beneficial. And if you can put it together with the abilities that we saw him flash when he was in Milwaukee before he came over to the Suns, then all the better. I mean, that could work out that could work out really nicely. I mean, if he comes back, as we've said before, at some level of that Milwaukee brand night, having him and Booker in the backcourt together is going to be quite the potent, you know, punch. Now, defensively, that might be a different question, but uh, you know, just just put up put up more points in the rest of the universe and things will be okay.
1: I mean, a lot of the options that are out there to fill in at that point guard spot. Defensively not right. not any of their strong suits. So, is one really much better than than another? But it, it does lead to an interesting thought point from the standpoint of when we're looking at potential coaching candidates. Brandon Knight was his best self as a player under Jason Still
0: King. Still
1: no. Just throwing it out there. He is available. <laughs> Granted, he also traded Brandon Knight.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> granted, I don't know. I don't know how much of that was him versus how much of that was the organization going, "Hey, we don't want to pay. We're not sure we want to pay this guy." I, I'm, I, I,
0: I, I, don't know that I could be more not on the Jason Kidd bandwagon that I already am. I just, no, just a lot of no's <laughs> and and you know, uh, uh, Gambo. Uh, in speaking about the Suns head coaching search, he he's pretty adamant about Jason Kidd not getting the job. And I tend to think that Gambo knows what he's talking about when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I think w- we can all agree on that. So, I, I mean, I frankly, I would, be, I would be absolutely shocked if the Suns hired Jason Kidd. I'd be shocked. I'd be appalled. I'd be disturbed. I'd be all sorts of different emotions— not one of them being a positive emotion. Now, if you go, if, if they do that, he, then they, they go and win sixty games in the next couple of years. Then maybe I'll, my, you know, he could probably change my mind. But I'm not saying I'm
1: completely stubborn. Well, if they win stubborn. sixty total games over the next couple of <laughs> years, then <like> a different <laughs> situation.
0: <laughs> yes, then then I'll feel the exact same way I I do right now. But I I just don't I it I might, don't see him worse. I don't see I don't see him being the guy. I just don't see that happening. And I know he you may finally hop
1: off the train. I know. I, <laughs> I would. You that may know, I, last I
0: I think I would. Uh, like, if 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 the Suns hire Jason Kidd, they're going to have to do a lot to get back in my good graces, and I'm sure that hurts them deep inside. But it's just that's just the that's just the truth, man. They're really going to have to do a lot to get back in my good graces, and frankly winning would be the only way to do it. Um, but again,
1: this would no longer be a podcast of optimism. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: would, this, this would like, you know how I always like, um, I'm, I'm last year I, I harped on Josh Jackson and, and the draft this year, I'm harping on Deandre in the draft. If they, if they hire him, it'll just be me like shitting on Jason Kidd for half the podcast every single time. Unless of course, again, they're, they're winning a bunch of games. Then, I, I'm not I'm not too proud to eat crow and say I was wrong, but that, of course, first requires them to hire him, which I really, really don't think is going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what goes on. I know it's, it's interesting just from the quotes that we've heard that the Suns are very adamant about having their new coach in place prior to the draft, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it makes sense. I understand that you want to have the guy who's going to be running the team help make the decisions of who the players on his team are but at the same time it also limits your pool of potential candidates i think i don't i don't know how much you're allowed to do with regards to hiring a, someone who is in the playoffs me. yeah because i know like in the nfl they're like no you can't do it until the class are over but i don't know that's not necessarily the case i don't anything. think you can have interviews, but you can't, I think, officially oh, that, job. Job. that might job. That, that might be the case. I I don't know. Because I, I know, like, think Josh, Josh Daniels, perfect example. Josh McDaniels? Yeah, Josh McDaniels, yeah. You know what I'm saying. He he was given the opportunity to back out of the Colts job because they couldn't officially offer it to him till he was out of the playoffs.
0: That was hilarious, too, by the way. They got they got <laughs> yes. it all posted up on social media. <laughs> and he's like, oh, nope, sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Wah wah wah. All right. One last little bit of off-season uh, discussion here for today. We'll go draft now. We've gone Uh-oh. we've gone draft, extension, night. So we'll, we'll 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 do what the Suns have done with their first and fiftieth season. Sprinkled and, in a little coaching and, and, and bookended here. Yes, yeah, sprinkled in a little bit of coaching. A little diatribe about Jason Kidd, whatever. Uh, and and that that the, the, the draft topic I'd like to discuss is is Luka Doncic. Um, okay. I know you're high on him. Maybe not as high as you were a few months back, because as you say, I've I've broken you down. I've beaten you down. I've convinced you perhaps that DeAndre Ayton is the way.
1: It, it that is all. To be honest, it's all fit, and I may be overthinking things from that standpoint.
0: So I haven't beaten you down. Is that what you're saying?
1: I, I'm. You just roll your eyes at me. Did I just see that? I did. <laughs> I did. No, I was. I was more so doing the looking up and to the left because I'm about to spit out a lie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> at least you're honest.
1: But like in that no. regard, now now lie to me. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I just I. Think as the Suns are currently constructed, I think Deandre Ayton is a better fit. I think both. I have those two guys in like an equal tier, so that's why I'm not. I can take it, take six and one, six and one half dozen in the other, and I just think Deandre Ayton is a better fit for the Suns. So I consider them equal players. So take it focusing on fit is, is the tiebreaker for me, and like I think I've got Marvin Bagley slightly lower than that. Okay. Um, but yeah, and and what I wanted to get
0: into with Doncic is not necessarily playing ability. I mean, we've we've seen film, uh, and we can agree or disagree or what have you on on where he should fall, what 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 uh, echelon he's in when it comes to the draft prospects this year. But it's something that again Gambo brought up uh, today, yesterday, recently, and that is apparently you know in, in, in his conversations that he has with and you know. He says it on air. I don't have any reason to doubt it. That he tends to have conversations with pretty, you know, high level NBA executives, and mm-hmm. one thing he's hearing frequently from them, and I haven't seen much of anything written about this, is is Doncic's attitude problems. Apparently, he carries himself as a you know very entitled type of way. Uh, he he's not exactly in good graces with his teammates because of that attitude. And I, I guess he's also incredibly emotionally immature. Uh, Gambo was using an example, and again, maybe you've seen this, Paul. I hadn't seen it, but but of him like crying on the court during a game about something, I have like not literally seen crying. That. The only the last time I you mean, like Adam Morrison. Exactly what I was going to say. The last time I saw somebody <laughs> he cry, he lost. somebody cry on the he court was, court was Adam
1: Morrison.
0: and he's an ugly crier, man. That wasn't. He, I'm talking he's about Morrison. Ugly? I don't know about Doncic. I haven't seen the video. Well, I was but, just gonna say he's just ugly in general. Yeah, he have you seen him? He, well, I don't he does know. some he's, like West Coast conference games now. Have you seen him? He like whenever no. he's on air, he he has like this slicked back hair. It's really weird.
1: Does he still have the mustache?
0: Uh I believe he does. I don't recall, but that, that, I feel like he's, I feel like that's permanent on him. Like it's not something he even is capable of shaving off. So, but at any rate. I thought all of that was interesting because, again, I hadn't heard anything about Doncic's attitude. And the fact that it's being brought up apparently by multiple NBA executives, regardless of whether it's been published out there, I I think that's pretty telling. Because if if they're talking about it, that's got to be, to them, to some extent at least, a, a red flag. And I think when you're looking at an organization like the Suns, obviously I'm not on the Doncic train. I'm on the Aiton train. And train. I like that. I feel like that's kind of like a cool thing. I might start, start using that just, just with you probably though. Um, <laughs> if you can't really bring somebody in like that. I mean, I just, I just don't think you can. And I know we, we kind of talked about this before we started recording and you had said, Oh, well, you know, Kobe wasn't liked by his teammates. Jordan, you know, wasn't there. They're, they're, entitled, but, but you know, while well, Donchick's, is he, is he tearing up, uh, you know, Europe? Yeah, he is. But, if he walks into an NBA locker room like that, I, I don't see that going over very well. And when you're dealing with a team that has some veterans, at least as a roster stands right now, but is obviously still a very young team, I think that could be, you know, absolutely a uh, uh, poison in, in a locker room.
1: I personally think, I think it's a little overblown just because being that, I, I just did a quick search on Google while you, uh, um, Discuss that, and I can't find anything where that's mentioned. Every, every even um, mention of attitude is all from a positive standpoint. But
0: but so if it's not online, but NBA executives are talking about it, doesn't that doesn't that raise even more of a red flag to you? Like that that that's that makes it worse for me.
1: Well, well, but I mean, all this is like most of this. Information is coming from part of it's coming from conversations with scouts and things like that. So you'd think so there would be. There's no corroborating evidence to this yet. Like no, I'm not. Are you saying Gambo's lying?
0: Report.
1: I'm not saying Gambo's lying. He may be ahead of the curve. It's just we're also at that point in the season where at the where you're nitpicking. I mean, that's what we do at a certain point. It's like, you know, you hype up, you hype up, you hype up these draft picks and then lead that last month leading into the draft. It's literally tearing them down. It's like, everybody's like talking about the negatives of why this guy should be falling, why this guy shouldn't be in the position that he's projected at. It's not, it's less about like, because we've already talked about all their positives. It's like, okay, like Aiton's issues are defense or like motor, like same, um, I'm not even sure what Bagley's issues are exactly. I think he may be some shot selection. Donchick is his athleticism, and now they're bringing up this attitude question. But as just from the standpoint of I haven't seen a single rumbling of this anywhere else just is weird to me a little bit. I would think that I would just at the very least see somebody else mention that they heard the same thing from executives,
0: right? I, I, I can see where you're coming from, um, but I think while you think it might be overblown, I think you're too quick to dismiss it, perhaps. Um, because I, again, I, if if it's coming from executives, whether or not it's been published out there yet, maybe it's maybe it's just to come. Maybe it's 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 coming down the road. Um, it, it, it again just raises a red flag with me. Uh, And and obviously I'm not saying that I want the Suns to take Donchick anyway, but this just gives me another reason for the Suns to not take Donchick. By the way, Jeff Hornacek fired.
1: Yeah, I just just
0: saw that. This is going to be really timely for people that listen to this in like a day and a half, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Reporting it right now from Twitter. (laughs) Breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. Breaking news two days later. (laughs) I'll have to get this out quick, so it's not as 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 uh, as old news when when it goes out there. But yeah, I, I I don't know. It's just for me again, just another reason for the Suns to steer away from him, uh, because I, I I just don't think they need that type of presence in that locker room. Um,
1: unless it's, if he
0: was already a transcendent player, then we could have a different conversation. But. He's not proven in the NBA in, in any regard yet, and I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm still not 100% convinced that he's going to translate to be this player that a lot of people think he's going to be when he does make it into the NBA.
1: Right, I, I, and I, I think this is where we disagree. As I, as I said, I just don't— Finally, we disagree seeing... on something. Without seeing more corroboration of this, I'm just not ready to. So, y- you're literally writing the guy off saying we don't need this guy in our locker room right now, and I'm like, I don't know if it's even true that this is an issue because there's one guy who said it. Well, there's one guy who's reporting
0: it who heard it from multiple NBA executives. Let me correct you. So let me let's let me pose you this this hypothetical then: if some article comes out in I don't know if 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 Bill Simmons, your boy, writes an article <laughs> about how big of an attitude problem Donchick has what' what's your reaction to that then I mean how does that affect your outlook on him? Let's assume for the sake of this conversation, Paul, that you actually believe Gambo and this has been corroborated by on the internet because that means it's true um <laughs> how does that change if anyway your your
1: outlook on him i mean I would it's, it would be concerning, but at the same time, it's, you know, a winning attitude, which is kind of what it sounds like it is. is like he expects I, a lot from I his— think,
0: I think being entitled is a lot different than having a winning attitude. And I think if, I mean, if he's not liked by his teammates, I think that says that maybe it's not just all about winning. That's just my opinion. Just my opinion, Paul. But go on.
1: I just—I'm not going <laughs> to— it's not worth it.
0: What's not, what? What
1: does that even mean?
0: <laughs> I'm just saying. If it's true, it, let's let's assume it's not a winning ad. Let's assume that he is just an asshole, and people do not like him, and that that comes out, and it's it's you know uh, published by multiple sources. What, if anything, does that do, like in terms of your outlook on him? That's all.
1: I mean, if it doesn't, I mean, if it doesn't change your outlook, it doesn't change your outlook. The, That's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't change my outlook on it. Honest, to be honest, I mean, you could
0: have just said that right Suns on the beginning. Paul. Do you don't sun- have to make me happy here.
1: The Suns Hit me are going to do man. what the Suns are going to do, and if they think he's the right fit for the team, he's going to be the right fit for the team when they make the draft, when they make their draft selection, and you will learn to like, probably like him if he's our pick.
0: I'm going to assume that he won't be, and the Suns are going to draft DeAndre, and so this is all moot anyway.
1: I, I'm, I'm going to assume the Suns aren't going to have the number one pick because we can't have nice things, and then Deandre Ayton's going to go number one.
0: <laughs> well, then, then, well, shit. Um, yeah, that's something we should probably discuss is who we, we, we've talked a lot. I, I think we have talked, obviously, I've talked a lot about Deandre Ayton. We've discussed Donchick even outside of this little conversation here. But right. we haven't gone much further down the road, and I think that's probably because the season ended like yesterday. Yesterday, two days ago. What right. day is it? I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um,
1: I don't want to go down further down the road until we know we have to go further down the
0: road. Right. And what, what did you say? May fifteenth. Is that right? May fifteenth. Yeah. Are we gonna do? Let's just let's do what we did two weeks ago and commit to something without any preparation at all. Mm-hmm we had discussed doing like a live podcast or a live live stream maybe and a live podcast of us
1: i can't commit to that i want to but i can't because i know where i'm going to be in i know i'm going to be in albuquerque and i know where i'm staying in albuquerque and i know the internet there sucks
0: wow so I you have a lot of information on where you're staying in albuquerque already that's impressive
1: yeah i've been there the last 5 years
0: oh well that'll do it i guess <laughs>
1: This week, every year, I'm in Albuquerque. That that middle of the month, every year.
0: Maybe I'll just, I'll just come to Albuquerque with you.
1: Hey, if you want to, there's a good steakhouse. It's a good barbecue joint. That didn't that didn't make it sound that much better, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> um, you don't like steak or barbecue? Well, I mean, I, I can
0: get that in Phoenix. <laughs> I know. Is it is, is it ba- spend, is it that I would much mean, better? That's see that would be more of my that would be more of my incentive, Paul, is just to spend more time
1: hanging out with you, in a nice, romantic Albuquerque, (laughs) away from our wives. Jesus! (laughs) All right,
0: okay. Well, you know, I feel like that's probably a good a good note for us to wrap up on. Uh, Unless, of course, you have anything else to add. I'm all right. I'm uncomfortable now. We were I've roommates for like for we while. were roommates for like what like three years, and you managed to finally yeah. make me feel uncomfortable. Good job. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I'm totally totally fun. Whoa, Paul's <laughs> Paul's phone just fell. Okay, so since Paul has nothing else to add, I don't have anything else to add. Ooh. As always, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate. The listeners, we appreciate the comments. We appreciate the tweets. And speaking of tweets, you can catch me on Twitter at so says Jay and Paul.
1: At Dervish of War. and the
0: podcast, which I think went a full week now without tweeting because <laughs> I, <didn't, laughs> I didn't accidentally tweet on it, uh, is at Fan the Flames and maybe you know Fan the Flames NDA, Excuse me. Yes. And maybe we'll actually start like using that more. Well, we should do that. That's that that. That can be our New Year's resolution next year. Um,
1: That'd be our summertime resolution to start using it. There you that. go. So to talk about the NBA, as the season's over, with. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe we'll send out some polls and things like that. Yeah,
0: we'll do polls. <laughs> we'll like uh, you know, Quizzes? I'm going to tweet about Doncic, so then it can be online somewhere too, and then and then there's your. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my will get aggregated my
0: sources tell me <laughs> oh what's your source i listen to the radio uh, okay
1: anyway i got a source via the source yeah, yeah exactly
0: it's this multiple sources source is source upon Game source
1: twitter telephone yeah there you go all right anyway
0: again thank you very much for listening and depending on when you're listening have a good morning good afternoon or good evening could you describe the ruckus
1: sir